Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're going to be recapping a pretty bad home loss to Louisville City. Uh, we're talking to Ethan Cutler, and uh, we're going to preview the game against Bethlehem Steel. Joining me tonight, uh, as sometimes, which is my new intro for him, uh, Anthony Merced of NYC Soccer World. Uh, there you go. Right. Yes, all right, I did it right. Catching on, it's growing every day. I almost just said NY Soccer World, and I was like, nope, that's not right. I think it's NYC. How are you doing tonight, Anthony? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm most of the time, okay? Like, it's not just sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but it's so much funnier to say that. Joining me is sometimes. <laughs> um, all right, good, good. I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, no, uh, no internet beef started this week with anyone? You've been, like, I feel like no. flying under the radar for a while this season. You know, and it's not for lack of trying, either. <laughs> oh, Christos lost. Sorry, guys. Uh, updating about the Christos versus DC game. They scored first, but DC uh, won it 4-1. to one. So sad. Oh, wait, Poor are you Christos. talking about um, meaningless U.S. Open Cup? Yeah, but come on. And a, a team that doesn't practice and is named after a liquor store made it all the way to the MLS teams. That's pretty impressive. I mean, what does that say about all the other teams below them? That, that's a very good question. No, I, I would love to hear NYC Soccer World's take on that. But uh, nope, not tonight. No, because <laughs> I only report news. Ooh. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Anyway, uh, this game was uh, bad. The, uh, yes, it was very hot. <laughs> it was the middle of the day. It was probably over 100 degrees on the field. It felt like I was sitting in a frying pan in the bleachers. Um, it, it was a miserable afternoon in terms of the weather and how oppressive the heat was. And Red Bulls actually started this game very well. They had a number of chances uh, early on. Bezicourt had a free kick that was saved and had a shot uh, from the right side of the box that was saved. But they looked like they were putting stuff together. And then once Louisville scored, everything changed. And it's like the entire... The, the wind was sucked out of the Red Bull team. They looked like a team that was constantly looking for the, just the right pass or mm-hmm. just the right shot. Um, and, and that really ended up costing them. They, there were moments where maybe there should have been shots taken and there weren't. They were cutbacks. Uh, I think John Walnick said it after the game. He felt like they were a team that looked like they didn't want to win or um, they were a team that didn't look like they had motivation. And it's true. They they look like a highlight reel team. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you wanted to look at just highlights of this game, um, they, there are moments of Red Bull, too, where they where, where they look like um, like like a demo team almost, um, you know, making Louisville City look bad. But um, if you talk about effectiveness playing a game to win – they failed miserably on that end. Yeah, it definitely wasn't there. Uh, I was probably most caught off guard. Uh, maybe I'll I'll include the audio uh, of this uh, during the show at some point. But I was most caught off guard by uh, you know Brandon Allen coming off the 60th minute. I didn't think he was very effective, but we thought maybe you know he was uh, going to get some time this this week in the Open Cup. And that's why he's coming off early. But after the game, John uh, confirmed that. Uh, he was unhappy with Brandon's performance, and that's that's why he got pulled. Was taking uh, Brandon at, off at the 60th minute also a first-team decision? Uh, no. No. Uh, I think Douglas is... Uh, I think Junior is doing well, and I think uh, you know he deserves time. Uh, it's a hot day. Um, and I think uh, you know Brandon didn't really give us enough up, up top tonight and today. And 
going to be competitive up top. We have a number of good players, guys that have uh, had success so far this year up top. So um, guys are going to have to learn that they have to be on top of their game uh, if they want to stay on the field, if they want to start, if they want to get minutes. Um, which That's surprising. I mean, he, he had probably the team's best effort at goal, um, which Ranjit Singh um, just totally, like, stoned him. Uh, probably that, yeah, that, that, that was in the first half. The that, that was best court. That was best court. No, 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 no. There was second half. Um, there was a pass in the box where where it was a, it was a little bit of a tight corner. Oh, I do and know Ranjit what you're talking about. Yes. Made it made a dive for the ball, yeah, and I mean it, it was a fantastic like kind of save. At, at that range, it has to be literally instinct to be able to make that kind of a save. Yeah, but I think I think what John was talking about in that instance was that um, maybe he wasn't working as hard as they want him to, and he was a little bit frustrated. Of course, it's not like anybody else uh, did much. Uh, on the e- oh, I almost said the evening, but on the afternoon, um, one guy who I think was particularly victimized uh, was Justin Billiou. That was, I think, probably his worst performance as a center back. Uh, he and Nadam have paired well uh, throughout the season for the most part, uh, but they just ran at him, and he was constantly getting caught out or being beaten. Uh, Brian Ownby just uh, he he was a beast, a beast on the day. I wouldn't say they played well together. I, I will say that teams have been um, unable to take advantage of the fact that there is a right back playing as center back for all season long. He's a left back. And left back, I'm, I apologize, left back. Um, but the the fact that now that that news is out and everybody knows about it, it's kind of easy to take advantage of. They Louisville did everything right. In this game, they they allowed the Red Bulls to have possession when they um, w- when there was a danger of them potentially giving up a counter or giving a little too much, and then were able to spring forward at certain moments and take advantage of a back line that leans forward quite a bit. Ownby's goal is a really good example of that in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I don't know what the answer is. There 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 are no answers on the bench for the team aside from Tim Schmall, who look. He was not, not looked good at all. He, he was not yeah. on the bench that day. He was in the stands. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean Jordan Scarlett's out there. He might just not be up to fitness, but he he is a possibility if someone come in. And uh, after the game, John also said that Andrew Lombard, uh, he's not going to be back this week, but he's getting much closer uh, to being able to be inserted into this lineup. So you know they're getting some bodies back, uh, and and maybe we'll see someone come in over the summer. Another guy that I think had a, a particularly poor match was. Uh, Dan Metzger, unfortunately, um, he's somebody that we loved all of last season. But I think it's becoming apparent that he needs it, he needs a partner that's a little bit more I, I don't know more like uh, aggressive in terms of their defending. Basulovic, I think, has done very well going forward, uh, but I still think that he leaves a little bit to be desired on the defensive side, uh, and that means that most of the defending in front of the back line is then left to to Dan and he's struggling a little bit with that. Well, they, they need, they need a person that can be a distributor. If Dan's allowed to kind of be the guy that takes the ball and, and passes it off to that guy, that's the connection between the defensive midfielder and, and, and the, and the forward team. This, I feel like I'm talking about Red Bull one here, right. but um, <laughs> they, they, they need that guy. And last year, Tyler Adams was that guy for the team um, to be able to distribute the ball moving forward and spring the attack. Metzger is not that guy. Metzger is the kind of guy who's physical in the, in the defensive midfielder, 
as in defensive midfield, be able to get the ball forward. But if you're asking him to kind of be that dis- distributor, it's not, 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 it's not in his makeup. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then the last bit of news, I think, from this match, uh, Rafa Diaz hurt again. He uh, was warming up. He had a hand, a shot come off his hand. It dislocated his finger. Uh, so he's going to be out of action for a little bit. But it's a shame he's having uh, so many issues so far because he looked very good when he's been in there. Obviously, the Pittsburgh game's a little bit of an outlier just in terms of uh, the number of goals scored on him, but he still played well in that game uh, despite there being three goals against him. Yeah, it's really sad for um, that that happened to Rafa. Um, you know, obviously, we talked to him, was it last two weeks mm-hmm. ago, I guess? Um, he, that was last week. Uh, he, was it last week? Was yeah. I on last week? Yeah. Oh, wow, look at that. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> The it's it's really rough for him because he's done so well and you feel like anytime he gets any momentum injury kind of keeps him keeps him back. So hopefully he gets back out there sooner um, than expected. Yeah, yeah, I agree. OK, let's do uh, I mean, it's kind of tough, but we're going to do man of the match. Who you got for man of the match really? um, on the Red Bulls? Yeah. Uh, I'll go with. Oh jeez! I go with O'Toole. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I think. Look, he was a little bit at fault on that first goal because once Ownby beat him, uh, he could not catch up to. I don't remember who ended up scoring it. Maybe it was Thompson. Uh, but otherwise, I thought he had a very good match, and including when he was dribbling into uh, the the final third, I thought he 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 did some very good things. It's it's good to see his progress. I think. Yeah, he's played a lot of games, too, for a guy who's about to be uh, departing for college. Yeah. Um, okay, and then who would be the GOAT? Who are you giving the GOAT to? Who who did the, who could I possibly pick on this one? Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with, with Justin Bilyeu on this one. I just didn't think <laughs> that he picked up the ball well. Um, and... He just, did, he just did not look like a good defender in this game. Yeah, that is well-earned, uh, Justin Bilyeu. Uh Sorry, bud. It was a tough game. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ethan Cutler. Stick around. back now we're joined by the 39th overall pick in the mls super draft it's ethan cutler ethan thank you so much for doing the show oh no thanks for having me it's great to be on the show uh you got your first uh well not your first bit of action this season but the first bit of action in in quite some time this past weekend uh in the loss how did it feel to get back out on the field yeah, it felt absolutely incredible. I mean, even though, you know, came in 2 nothing, lost the game 3 nothing, it's just great to step on the field again. It's been, you know, a long recovery, a long road getting back to, you know, somewhat game fitness. I'm not 100% there yet, uh, but it's, you know, definitely great to get back on the field. Yeah, Ethan, can you talk a little bit about the difference between playing in the college game and the USL? We hear from some other guys, but uh, it's it, it's always interesting to hear. So, what what is your thoughts on the level of playing the USL um, 
as opposed to the college game? Yeah, so I get that question a lot, and typically what I say is the one thing that stands out as the main difference is the speed of play. Um, and it's more than anything mentally, how quickly can you make decisions um, on and off the ball? Um, there's Especially at Red Bulls, they put a lot of emphasis on um, being in the right position when you don't have the ball and when the ball could be on the completely opposite side of the field or when you even when your team has the ball and how are you positioning yourself for any of the possible possible plays that could be happening next. Um, so I think, you know, just staying tuned in 100% of the time and being like mentally prepared for the next, for the next play. It's definitely something that's stressed a lot more. Um, you know, physically it's, it's, you know, it's professional athletes. So everyone's going to be like very fit. Everyone's going to be, very athletic, so that's definitely a, a step up. Not a huge step up, but it's definitely um, uh, a lot better than the college game. Um, but for the most part, those those are definitely the two main differences that stand out to me. Now, one difference, at least for you, coming from uh, the college game, is you've moved a little bit further back on the field. You're playing as uh, a right back mainly uh, so far, with, with Red Bull, that is. Um, how, how has that tr- transition been for you? Uh, had you spent any time playing uh, defense uh, prior to coming here? Yeah, I have. It definitely came as a surprise to me. Um, I have never played. Uh, I've never been a defender in my life. I've never played right back in my left. Never played center back. Never played left back. Um, the furthest I've, back in, I've been back in the field is you know, the six when I was the center mid when I used to play in club days and academy days in high school. Um, but it's definitely, it's been interesting. Um, I wouldn't say it's been the easiest transition, but um, it's it's definitely something that I've kind of grown into. Um, uh, I, you know, at the beginning, it was kind of tough for me to just, you know, wrap my head around it like, oh, I'm going from score in college to uh, a defender playing professionally. So it's kind of, you know, tougher to make that transition right off the bat but I think you know over time I've kind of accepted my role um, accepted my strengths and kind of applied them to that position so I think it's something you know there aren't moving forward and having aspirations to play in the MLS there's there's not really a lot of you know fantastic right backs in the league Um, and that's kind of like a hole that needs to be filled in my opinion so you know it's definitely an opportunity for me in the future if I can uh, you know kind of excel at this position. So I'm excited and optimistic for it. Is that part of the, the reason maybe that you ended up on the back line? Is, is that what they, they identified? That, you know, that as far as forward crop, uh, maybe it's a little bit deeper um, and maybe there's less opportunity there? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that might have been one of, the, uh, one of the reasons why they wanted to transition me back there. Um, I remember in the the one of the first times that the Red Bull saw me, I guess, was in in the combine this year. This year's combine, and I was on the third in the third game. I was playing outside right mid, and our team was kind of getting pinned back a lot. So I was doing. I had a lot of defensive responsibilities at right midfielder. So, and I I played relatively well, and I think that they, you know, saw you know I played with my head up. I was pretty athletic, pretty quick. And I guess they thought I could transition to that uh, spot. So, um, 
yeah, I think that's kind of some of the reasoning behind their decisions. Uh, Ethan, so you always hear that, you know, college athletes, you know, you, you've got it in your head, that, that dream, what you, you know, the position you're going to play, all that kind of stuff. What, what was that conversation like? Was it, was it John or was it Jesse kind of walking up to you and saying, hey, you know, we've got this idea? Or was it very much like, hey, you're going to play there? Yeah, and it was it was definitely like a hey you're gonna play there type of situation. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was up to me in in the end, but uh, it's just one of those things. And it's not you know it's definitely not a completely wild idea to transition a striker to a right back. It's happened you know countless times in the MLS and, and other leagues. Um, it's just you know they see the athleticism, they see the speed, and they see a vacancy at the position. So um, it's kind of Certain traits are can be applied to different, you know, situations in different positions. Um, but yeah, it was definitely definitely came as a surprise to me. But I was, you know, you know, first year in the league, I have to be open to change and I have to be able to adapt. So I think I'm doing my best to get there. Yeah, I, I don't think that's unusual. I th- I I can count. Oh, I, that doesn't make sense. If I had a nickel for every time I heard a player uh, say that they were a striker at one point, <laughs> I'd be a very, very rich man. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. When you were drafted, you obviously were not at the draft. You got a phone call from Jesse Marsh. Was there any prep for that phone call, or was the video that, that Red Bull released essentially you finding out uh, right then and there that you had been drafted? Um. Well, I had... I had... Uh, I was staying at one of my teammates' house from Colgate, Ricky Brown, actually. Uh, he lives in Southern California, and we were hanging out at his house, and, you know, I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't being expected to be, you know, drafted at all. Um, I was, you know, I was kind of a last-minute pick to go to the Combine, um, so it was kind of like a lucky situation for me. Um, but I was, you know, sitting in his living room, we were watching the, I don't even think we watched the first round of the draft, but we watched the second round and, you know, there I was, got picked, um, got the phone call about five minutes later, still in shock. So I had absolutely no preparation for it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know Red Bulls was interest, were interested in me. Uh, I didn't know any of this was coming. My agent had absolutely no idea. Um, at least I think he didn't, but, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's definitely a definitely a surprise phone call. I was not prepared for that whatsoever. <laughs> so, Ethan, what shocked you the most about um, the uh, competition in the USL, like the op- the opposing teams? Um, well, as you as you guys know, I've I've only you know played in three games. I you know started the first two games of the year and broke my foot in the second game of the year. Played ninety, uh, but um. In the games that I played in, you know, like I said before, it's just kind of the speed of play that was the major transition from the college game. Um, obviously, first professional game of my career, I was, you know, like anybody, a little bit nervous, a little, a little anxious, a little jittery. So I don't think I showed my best in that game. Pretty, you know, solid, but not not the best performance I've had. Um, but you know the competition, you know playing playing against Louisville the 20 minutes ago against Louisville, uh, it was, you know, it was next level. Um, they they were a great team. All credit to them. They had a good side, good game plan. Um, but uh, yeah, it was you know it's just it's a it's a different game at the professional level and the than the college life. 
one of the things this year with the Red Bull team, and I've talked to a number of players about this, uh, has been the defensive susceptibility. I'm not sure if that's something that you, you know is solely uh, the fault of the back line, but it, it's certainly exposing uh, them uh, throughout throughout the year so far. Um, what do you see maybe as like the key issues um, with the defense, and uh, what do you think might be done going forward? Is it just you know a case of um, individual mistakes coming and biting the team or or something else um it's it's a it's a definitely a combination of things um you can you can never really point out one person uh or one or two even three people for making mistakes and then blame a goal on them it's every goal we concede is a team effort every goal we concede is um kind of like mistakes compiling on one another. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to find like trends for how we get scored on difficult to kind of figure out what we can do to prevent goals in the future. Um, but you know, I've, I spent a lot of time watching the games online. Uh, we're watching the home games just from the stands. Um, and a lot of it, you know, the way that we play is it's very, if, if everyone is not bought in all the time, then, you know, there are definitely some, some susceptibilities to counterattacks defensively. Um, and, you know, I, that's something that other teams already know. That's something that's built into the, to their game plan, but you know, we're, we're a high pressure team and, you know, we commit a lot of numbers, a lot of numbers going forward. We, we rely on winning the ball in the attacking half and, you know, if they can break our pressure, that's something uh, that we're susceptible in the back. But, I think the coaching staff and the players uh, are confident in our speed and our our athleticism in the back to kind of trust us to, you know, make plays because as defenders, you know, that's all you can really do in the end is make a make a good play. Um, and obviously, like you would hope the defenders would do it all the time, but it's 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 difficult. So I think it's just uh, you know with new defenders in the back with young guys in the back it's it's uh uh it's a learning process and um it's just something that you know we got to get better at moving forward but i think we have the the personnel to to really make make strides going forward and uh with the with the news of um what is it one dollar hot dog day coming up <laughs> at uh, msu soccer park how how difficult is it keeping yourself from um, leaving the bench and uh, getting yourself a hot dog? Well, you can definitely smell them from the field. That's for sure. Oh, that's gross. I know. I know when I, I know when I was in the stands, I was definitely making my way down to the hot dog stand to get myself a couple one dollar hot dogs. But uh, that's probably not going to be the case <laughs> this Friday. But hopefully, the fans enjoy that. I know they do. <laughs> dollar hot dogs. You heard it here first. You can smell it on the field. Um, okay, to, to wrap up with you, before we let you go, we got uh, our five, well, I guess it's not really five questions, but our quick fire segment uh, that we started last week uh, with Rafa. Uh, so you're, you're the second experiment sure. in this. Um, so <laughs> uh, simple choices, uh, easy questions. Uh, popcorn, yes or no? Uh, no. Ooh. Yeah, good man. Favorite Red Bull flavor? Favorite, sorry, what was that? Favorite Red Bull flavor? Uh, hmm. I gotta go sugar free. Gotta go sugar free. 
Wenger in or Wenger out? Oh, man. Uh, in. Gotta stay. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario? Super Mario. Easy question. Come on. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> okay. The last one. Favorite team to play <laughs> as in day. FIFA? If you play FIFA. Um, Dorman. All right. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Ethan Keller, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Uh, I think it was a delight. I, I, I'll say that it was because I'm not going to wait for Anthony's opinion on it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Thank thank you for having me. It's great to be on the show. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks and, so much. Uh, when we come back, we're going to preview the game this Friday against Bethlehem Steel. Stick around. And we are back for our final segment. Look, we got a game this Friday against Bethlehem Steel. Traditionally, this is a team that uh, the Red Bulls have victimized. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Uh, Bethlehem Steel is looking maybe not a lot better in the years past, but certainly uh, more capable. In their last five, they're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. They have wins over St. Louis and Harrisburg. Uh, the losses are to Cincinnati and Charleston, both teams that I think uh, nobody uh, would shake their heads at for you losing to. Uh, and they drew Ottawa. Um, their top scorer is Seku Kona. Kana? Um, that's terrible. I'm- Kone. Kone, thank you. Uh, he's got seven goals. Nobody else has more than two. They've got former uh, Red Bull Academy product Adam Najem, uh, who could possibly, I guess, go up against his brother. And uh, three clean sheets so far this year. So they've got 16 points. Uh, they're only a point back for the Red Bulls. Uh, they do have a game in hand, so you know this could be an important six game or six point switch. Uh, what team though are we going to see from the Red Bulls coming out here? I think without Derek Etienne this last week, they looked a lot less creative. Uh, Junior Flemings, well, we didn't even get to talk to him, talk about him in the match, uh, but he was atrocious. That was a terrible performance from Junior, and that was shocking because he's usually been very reliable, uh, but. Uh, he missed a lot of balls. He had a lot of errant touches. It was just a really strange game for him. And I know he came on late, but it, it was just really weird. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, it's Red Bull 2 has got a similar issue to Red Bull 1 in that they're inconsistent game to game. It's even worse for Red Bull 2 because you know how good this team can be and there there's a lot of elements of it that are similar to last season. Um especially Junior Flemings, because you really were hoping that he would come back this year and be uh, the catalyst for the offense when guys like Brandon Allen were supposed to go up to the the main roster. Uh, But that hasn't happened, and they're not scoring goals in the numbers they did last season, and then they're also giving them up a lot more than they did last year. So it's hard to tell. Bethlehem Steel, like many of the other two teams, have gotten better, not worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and <laughs> I guess in a strange way, you could say that that's uh, the first team and the second team are such are in such lockstep uh, that they struggle at the same times too. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good. Um, let Let's talk a little bit about uh, the wingers because you know you've got a lot of talented guys out there. You got Zico Lewis. 
um, Florian Velo, Junior Flemings. Um, uh, oh man, who am I forgetting? There's somebody else I'm forgetting. Zico, um, Junior, no, said, Junior no, and Derek Etienne. Derek, thank you. Oh, geez. Uh, <clears throat> who were all fantastic, uh, but it's it's they're not combining well, maybe with the other people that they they've been on the field with. Uh, so that I think is a, a major part of the problem right now, and that's the same thing with the first team that you've got wingers who aren't contributing like they should. Uh, and well, you, mentioned, you mentioned it with I- Junior that you know they they wanted to rely on him as a more of a catalyst for the offense and he scored goals but he's he's really not contributing in terms of of creating chances well i think that you learn really quickly about whether or not guys are creators or scorers and and if they are you know one or the other you have to place him in that right position i think that early in the season florian below was kind of showing himself to be more of a, a goal scorer mm-hmm. and he got moved back into the position of a creator and now is having a hard time finding his place on the team now that Brandon Allen has come back. Um, the, the, the front of the team at this point has to be a conduit for Brandon Allen scoring goals. And I feel like they are very much looking for their own space and their own time as opposed to thinking about what team first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, so then, what do you what do you do with a guy like Florian, who's uh, super talented, and is struggling to kind of you know assert himself? And the, I mean the same thing's true about Zico. You, you see, Zico is uh, very good on the dribble. He he's combining well, uh, but he's still just like a little bit off. He's he's not quite um, you know getting the ball in the net or or really setting up good chances. Zico hasn't proven what he's actually good at yet. Oh, um, there are moments where he's, I think I think running on the ball, he's he's shown that he's very good. At times, but then at, at, but then at, at other times when you, when he's against teams that are far more physical, he seems to shrink a bit. I don't know. So if I that. Eh, step on his toes a few times and see what happens. You know, like <laughs> that that that's what that's what USL is for. Like when you step on a guy's toes a few times, how do they react? And Zico. Um, tends to fall back a little bit w- w- when that happens, and that's not what you want to see because that's what's going to happen in MLS. I don't know you if know, I agree some- with that. I, I, I think he's shown a little bit more uh, willingness to to go into challenges like that. I think where he's had trouble is when he's got to drop back a little bit further to get the ball, and and guys play him tight as opposed to just more physical. I think if he if he gets the ball and he has space to move, he he's been very good. Um, but and how many guys have space to move in, 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 in MLS? Like the whole point is don't give anybody space. So like that's so when, when when that starts happening in the USL level, I go, okay, I, I guess, you know, what's plan B for, for the player? And when the player doesn't have a plan B, and, and a lot of times in the USL, closing down space means getting physical and stepping on toes. Um, you know, the the, the guy's gotta respond. And to this point, I mean like the goal numbers aren't tremendous, the assist numbers aren't tremendous. So mm-hmm. what exactly is 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 happening there? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and maybe a little bit of that also is falling on uh, the midfield and uh, particularly the central midfield, just having a little bit of trouble uh, adjusting or maybe even pressing and and getting the ball in more dangerous areas. 
mean, I think they're getting forward. They're just not making no, no, no. proper I'm not decisions about when I'm talking it's about, there. I'm talking about counterpressing when they don't have the ball. That's oh yeah, well that well that that's the other issue that the first team is having as well. Um, that last year they were doing so well, which is uh, being able to take the the proper risks and compensate for it. But you can also look at the personnel and say, okay, well Aaron Long last year was really good at compensating for the midfielder that missed the ball, um, and right now you're not seeing that in the back line. Fair, I think that's fair. Um, with Bethlehem Steel, what are the major worries? Is it anything different than, than normal? Just getting caught on the counter and um, maybe maybe allowing a team to kind of sit back a little bit and absorb what they bring? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a side that is going to play... Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting because anytime somebody plays the Red Bulls, I feel like you're watching the exact same team play them over and over again. Right. They all know that the high press is going to happen. They're going to wait on the counter, and they're going and they're going to try to um, they're going to try to exploit. So it's very rare that you try to see a team come in against the Red Bulls and impose their own um, strategy. Mm-hmm. So I, I do expect that same thing from Bethlehem Steel, which is they're going to play on the counter, which they do all year. By the way, does not it's not that is kind of their game because it's very similar to the Philadelphia Union style of play. Um, but they have guys like Kone, who who's very good moving forward and they haven't been bad away from home, which has been another interesting trend in the USL that teams are not necessarily um, as horrible as MLS sides are away from home. Yeah. Yeah. And you get one team in MLS or USL uh, that can, you know, win, let's say five of their uh, away games. And that, that greatly helps them push them way up the standings. Um, okay, let's get a prediction. What are we going to see Friday night? Uh, I I am hoping for a two-one win for Red Bull too. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I think I think they're definitely going to bounce back a little bit. I think John is is not happy with the result uh, from this past week, and will motivate them. And uh, yeah, I'll take that two-one scoreline. I think that's right. Um, <clears throat> before we go, uh, th- this is more. Um, off topic than anything else, uh, but I oh was I was able to pick up the physical copies of my uh, EP this week, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I'm a month away from the release. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, anywhere that you go. I think now, for the most part, I think it's going to Google be Play. Yeah, I think it's going to be on Google Play. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but the actual release parties is uh, July 11th or no July 7th, sorry, at Maris Cafe in uh, in Fanwood. So if you if anybody out there wants to come down, it's family friendly. Going to play from uh, seven to ten, I think, and you can pick up a, a copy of the album there if you if you were so inclined. And my non soccer related, uh, uh, I don't know what, what would I call that self aggrandizing. Yeah, I'll play Skinner. Will you play it? Oh, I will play Skinner for you. Yes. I'm just going to hope that this is just in tune now so that's not the worst thing in the world. Oh. So that's that's your Skinner Dan. 
yes! <laughs> All right. I did not expect you to play Skinner right there on the spot. <laughs> Take that. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find me at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at AttitudeAJM. And Bill, who is not here, he is at BillTNJ. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we really hope you do, we are Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull. And, of course, like I said, that's all on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RaisingBulls. You can go to our website, RaisingBulls.com. Of course, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Please find us, rate us, review us. It means everything, and it really does help us. Uh, And uh, I feel like there was another thing that I forgot about. Hmm. Nah. Yeah, tomorrow? No. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, uh, yeah. If you're if you're coming to the U.S. Open ma- uh, Cup match, or even if you're not, stop by the beer garden uh, beforehand. We're going to be taping the 300th episode of uh, Seeing Red. Uh, we've got guests like uh, Luis Robles. We're going to have Jesse Marsh, uh, Michael Lewis of Front Row Soccer, Shep Messing, uh, the color commentator for MSG Games. Uh, so. I think it's be a, a uh, pretty good time, and uh, hopefully, uh, it'll bring some good tidings into that stadium. Because I feel like there's been, you know, a bit of a dour mood uh, around that place lately. So, come on out, come on out to the well, I'll taping. Be there, so everyone ought to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should set up a dunk tank for you, Anthony. I no? would put take in that. Yeah, that was good. I like that idea. Uh, I'll get on the fo- the phone to Gordon now. Set up a dunk tank for Anthony. Uh, In any event, uh, for myself, Ethan Cutler, Anthony Merced, thank you very much and good night. Last Word Radio, where you, you get the last word.